Actually, I was sitting here on the front row, and I looked at this, and I looked at that, and I thought about a dear brother named Jim Dunn who made both of those good memories. And then I thought about these. Way back when this first was put up, Laverne asked, said, hey, could you or someone make an announcement that these candles, I, I don't know how they're connection. Ben may have given them to her, I'm not sure, but these candles have sat here uh, in memory of Ben Sisk, a dear, dear brother that went home to be with the Lord. But I want to go further than that. I just want to thank God for all the precious men and women that we have known who celebrated Christmas this year in heaven. Amen? And that's, that's wondrous. Yeah, that's really wondrous. And that's what this whole worship set was about. That's what we do here week after week is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. This is not a social club. Um, it's not something we do to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. It is a, it's a sinning station. It's a gathering station for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's just really, really incredible. So here's what's going to happen. Um, today, in January, we're going to do something really different. Are you ready? We're bad. This is kind of different. Okay? Um, normally, of course, we do series these days, and we're going to do one coming up. But today, we're going to talk about what you see right there, um, two roads. And this sermon came from the Judgment House presentation. Um, as I developed that and I had the opportunity to present it, probably to about four or five or 600 people, um, I just said, you know, I need to preach this sometime. And God really spoke to my heart, and I thought the first Sunday in January would be a great time to do that because, because I want you to start the new year knowing that you know Jesus Christ. And in a very simplistic way, in fact, I'll go ahead and say it now, my goal is, is if I could somehow wave my magic wand over us, we would, we would be like people who have never heard it before. Whether we've heard it a thousand times or not, we would hear it today as if we've never heard it. And one of two things would happen. That one, you would be saved. If you're here today, a great mission field is right now on the radio, under the sound of my voice, and probably in this room, there are people who have never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. Good people, moral people, religious people, people who have gone to church week after week after week, but have never truly met the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. So one would happen is that you would be saved. And the second is every person who's been born again would leave here with this incredible gratitude for what God did for us when he sent Jesus Christ to earth to die for us. So that would be what I would wave my magic wand. So I thought this would be a great way to start um, the new year. Then next week, we're, I'm not sure how this is going to play out yet. Um, it's going to be a looking back, looking forward. I'm still not sure if it's going to involve our church or not, if it's going to be just us individually looking back, dealing with failures in our life, and also how to um, be successful spiritually in 2016. And then the next week is Sanctity of Life Sunday, a very important Sunday our church. And we're going to uh, look at Psalm uh, 139, the fact that... that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and we're going to celebrate, which our country doesn't do anymore, we're going to celebrate life. Whether it be a brand new baby, which we're blessed, I think, with two. I saw another little baby here somewhere, and boy, that little baby was little too. And, and so we're just blessed with new life. And Mount Monterey, I think, and Dale had a grandbaby. So we're just celebrating life. It's an awesome thing. It's a wonderful thing. So we'll do that the third Sunday. Now, on the fourth Sunday, get your boots on, because we are privileged to have Tim Satter. How many of y'all remember Tim? Yeah, he'll come back with us for the whole day, for the whole day. It's going to be a one-day revival, and we're going to meet at 8 o'clock. The boys will, the men, and we're going to have breakfast, and Tim's going to speak at our breakfast. He's going to be here Sunday morning and speak primarily to the men to be men. And then that night, um, he's now in, really, he's in a, quote, secular job. And he said, well, Dwayne, what's he doing that for? Tim came to the conclusion that he could reach a lot more lost people by working a secular job than he could a preacher. We call it Marketplace Ministries. And so he'll be there here Sunday night sharing about Marketplace Ministries and how we can be better evangelists. And then on the 31st, we've got Youth Sunday. And uh, we have ironed that out, who's speaking that day and all that. But the bottom line is it's going to be an incredible month. Don't miss a Sunday. On Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, we're going to preach it in 1 John. We're going to finish up 1 John. And I'm excited because once we get done with 1 John, we're going to go through the book of Colossians on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. And it's going to be a great time. We'll have a good time in the Word of God. We've got series lined up starting in February. We are going to dissect. We are going to dissect the Lord's Prayer. On the first, I think the first, second Sunday in January last year, I preached a one-day message on the Lord's Prayer. It's never left me. 
It's never left me. So this is probably going to be like a six or seven week study on prayer, and particularly the disciples' prayer, the Lord's prayer, the model prayer. And we got a study coming up and from Psalm 37. We've got a series coming up this year. I'm trying to give you an overview of what's going to happen. And, and this year called Unbroken. Not like Iron Will Unbroken like the movie was, but how God takes broken people and unbreaks them. And it's going to feature you. I'm, I, if you see me coming toward you and smiling, watch out, because I'm probably going to grab you and say, would you give a testimony of what God did in your life and how you were broken and now you're unbroken. So that's going to be a series coming up this, this year. I'm excited about that. So we got a lot of good things, Lord willing, planned for, for 2016. I hope you'll just delve into the ministry and the work of Dorisville Baptist Church and the Word of God um, this year. So what about this two-road thing? Well, it's two roads obviously deals with the topic of, yes, two roads. Let me take you back. Let me take you back. And again, you know, it's, it's just a good story. And we love it, you know. Back, believe it or not, first off, one day I was young. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's hard to imagine. I had more hair, I was skinnier, and my hair was not gray or white, okay? And when we got married in 1976, the following year we were transferred to Germany for three years with the Air Force. Now, get this in your brain, okay? Try to get this. The guy standing before you was 24 years old. Actually, I'm sorry, 23 years old. 23 years old. And this girl was 19 years old. I snatched her from the cradle when she's eight. As soon as she turned 18, we got married. <laughs> you know? Now, if you're 18, don't go out and get married. Things are different now. Things are different. If Faith gets married when she's 18, I'll shoot her. Okay? No, no, no. It's okay for me and, and us back in those days, but it's a different world. You know, wait till you're at least. 25 or 24. But anyway, we were just young and in love. And here we found ourselves in Germany. And, and fortunately, we had some friends that we had gone to church with in Georgia where we lived who also got transferred to Germany and lived there. So this good friend said, hey, why don't you drive over from Simbach where we live and come to Zweibrücken? Okay? And you can stay the weekend and, of course, go to church. We were just, we're, in fact, they named one of their kids after me. Stephen John Dwayne Epps. I've been trying to get somebody to name a kid after me here. Have not yet succeeded. I think, listen, I think Dwayna is a great name for a girl. Dwayna, it's awesome. So anyway, so, so we were just really, really good friends. And so sure enough, we packed up and we drove over toward Zweibrücken, okay? Now we're driving along. Now remember, I know it's hard to remember, but remember there are no cell phones, there are no GPSs. In fact, for the fact that we're in Germany, there was not a, a Rand McNan uh, atlas. There was nothing. All we had were some directions that were going to take us toward this guy's house. So we're driving along, and you know how men are. We know everything. So I'm, we're driving along, and it's a simple route. You get on this road, you go so many miles, and you turn left, and I'll meet you at the interstate. It should have been easy. So we're driving along, and at some point, and I'm not sure how this exactly played out in my brain or how it actually played out. I have a feeling I know. Somewhere, when we already should have been at the turnoff, Judy said something like this. I think we missed our turn. I said, no. I said, see, we're going toward Zarbrooken. She goes... I don't think it's Zarbrooken. I think it's Zweibrooken. And I think I saw a sign back there. I said, no, it's Zarbrooken. Well, we had this debate, you know, and this young 23-year-old buck knew everything. And so we drove and drove, and then something happened. We started seeing signs for France. Yeah, yeah. Started seeing signs for France. And somewhere in that process, I think the light came on. And believe me, this light has glowed brightly through the years. Here's what it said. She might be right. <laughs> we men learned that lesson too. So, in fact, we did turn around and went back. And sure enough, about 10 miles back, there was a sign for Zweibrücken. Zarbrücken, Zweibrücken. And it's incredible, by the way, just a little short piece of the story. As we're getting off the interstate, we're an hour late. And my friend was just pulling off. And I honked the horn. He stopped and took us to his house. Isn't God good? I mean, you got to understand something. We didn't speak German. We had been driving in the country for about two weeks maybe. We were 23 and 19, had no clue. And listen, the name sounded alike. But here's the deal. Until I reached the point where I was willing to turn around and go back to another place, I would have been lost. I was going to France. France. 
And the French didn't particularly like the military anyway at that point. And so it would have been a bad deal. But I reached that point when I turned around. And that is so what happens. That's so what must happen spiritually with us. We have got to come to a point when we are willing to turn around and go the way that God wants us to go. There's a scripture, and it's the book of Proverbs, and it says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. There's a way that seems right to a man. I'm telling you, I thought I was right. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. So we want to look today and see what Jesus says about two roads. And again, if I go wave my magic wand, whether you've been a Christian for 20 years or 15 years, or maybe you have your degree in some kind of Bible theology program, um, maybe you've been a Christian for 50 years, you know everything, you know it right, you know it all, I would hope that I could wave my magic wand today. And that magic wand would be the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, just speak to their hearts. Just speak to their hearts and let them see the truth as if it's for the first time. Now, before we delve into the Scripture... I want to, once again, call your attention to this book because we're pretending like we've never heard it before. Now, I want you to understand that we often see the Bible as 66 individual books. Now, in fact, really, they're not books at all. They are letters, communications, uh, history writings. There's some poetry. There's some love books in it. There's all kinds of things in this thing we call the Bible. And there are 66 individual collections of writings anointed by the Holy Spirit, inspired by God, breathed by God, but 66 individual writings. And this incredible book, this incredible book that we call the Word of God, was written over a span of 1,500 years. It has around 40 authors that contributed their writing hand, again, an inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to, to write this book. And what makes it so incredible is, is the fact that there are 1,500 years and that, that there are 40 authors, that there are 66 pieces of literature in here, and here's what makes it grand. It all ties together. Now think about that. If one man had lived 1,500 years and saw all this happen and wrote the story, you'd go, well, yeah, but think how wondrous it is that 1,500 years, 66 writings, 40 authors, and from the very beginning to the very end, it's got one story. And that one story is the redemption of man. That one story is the incredible rescue plan that God has for me and for you that we can be rescued from sin. Whether you go to Genesis, whether you go to Ezekiel, whether you go to Matthew, or whether you go to Revelation, it all has one story, and it's the story of redemption. So before you throw this thing out, and you're here today, remember, because you've never heard it before, okay? You've never heard it before, and you're going, yeah, but I don't know about that Bible thing. You know, there seems to be so many contradictions. Well, first off, read it before you say that. Don't believe your English professor. Don't, don't believe the dude down in 500 feet under the mine who says, well, I read that thing, and it's not true, okay? Just consider the fact, 1,500 years, 40 authors, 66 books, and it's still here today. Still believe today, still changing life today. Before you throw it out in your life, you might want to consider what this Bible, what is how it's proven itself over the years. So Jesus, when he began his ministry and preached an incredibly great message on, on the Sermon Mount, he preached from Matthew chapter seven. Well, he didn't preach, but he was writing. You know, Matt, guy named Matthew was writing seven. But 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 he he talked about this idea of two roads. And it's recorded in our Bibles in Matthew chapter 7 in a sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And many would argument, non-argumentally say that it's probably the greatest sermon that Jesus ever preached. And here's what he says about two roads. In Matthew seven thirteen, he says, enter through, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. And listen to this. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life and few find it. So he makes clear that there are two gates, there are two ways, there are two roads. One is broad and easy. One is broad and easy. Now think, if you will, think interstate. Think if you're going to Florida, as an example... Barring traffic in downtown Nashville, on the curve in Chattanooga, and Atlanta, Georgia, 
going down, uh, starting in, in 50, is it 57 down here? Is that right? 57 and then 24 and then 75 will take you to Disney World. I mean, if you're going to Disney World, that's a broad way to go. I mean, you've got speed limits of 70 miles an hour. It's an easy way to go. And you'll know it's the right way because there's 8 zillion people going that way. You, you get the right time, whether it's around Christmas or whether it's this summer. When you hit 75, it is bumper to bumper all the way to Disney World because it's the Broadway and a lot of people go that way to Florida. It's broad. It's an easy way. And a lot of people are on it. And then Jesus says, there's another road. And that other road is a narrow road and it's a hard road. So this would be like a curvy mountain road, okay? And it's difficult. It requires your attention. If you're talking about physically driving, it's a curvy road and demand all your attention. So you've got this easy road, this broad road, and you've got this narrow road. And by Jesus' own admission, it's a hard road. So you've got to ask the question, Dwayne, if I was... If Jesus is right and there are two roads, why would I choose and give up the easy road, the road with lots of friends on it, the road that's easy, why would I choose a difficult road and a narrow road? And that's a really good question. And the answer is this, because where the roads lead. See, not only are there two roads, but there are also two destinations. There are two destinations. You see it where Jesus says. He says there is a road, that broad road, that road that's so wide, goes to destruction. It goes to death. And that narrow road goes to life. You see, we would naturally and logically choose that, that broad road. But what if you knew where it was going? You know, I've learned, I'm old enough... Where I've learned that if I'm driving, I've got this thing called Waze. Anybody have Waze, W-A-Z-E? It is the coolest navigation app in the world, and it's free. And, and it will tell me 10, down, 10 miles down the road that there's a wreck. And then it will automatically reroute me around that wreck. It's totally, totally cool. If I knew that there was a road closure, if I knew that the interstate was shut down somewhere by Chattanooga, I would change roads because the destination would not be good. The logical reason why we would change, destin- change roads would be because of where the road leads. And Jesus said, one leads to death and one leads to life. One leads to death and one leads to life. Now, let me pause here. Again, now remember, y'all never heard this before. There, there may be, be a growing number of atheists in America. Now, you do understand, let me tell you two things. Not everyone who says they're a Christian is a Christian. And not every person who says they're an atheist is. You know, there'd be a lot of people who flippantly go and say, well, I don't believe in God. Let that person get cancer and die and cry, oh, God! You kind of want to go, excuse me, time out. I thought you said you didn't believe. You know, not everyone who says there is no God truly believes there's no God. And there's a... There's a small number, even in America today, trust me, there's a small number in America today that truly are atheists. And there's a very small number, a very small number of people who believe that the end's the end. I know, they'll say, they'll say, I don't believe in heaven and I don't believe in hell. I believe after that last heartbeat, I go into the ground, the worms eat me up, and it is story over. Really? Really? Few people may believe that. But most people seem to understand and know something tells them in them that after the last heartbeat, boom, 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 boom. After the last heartbeat, there's something. And that something is eternity. And again, if you'll just halfway buy into this wondrous book that was written over 1,500 years with, 60, with 40 authors and 66 pieces of literature tell one story, if you'll just reach out a little bit in faith and understand, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, maybe it deserves my attention, 
then you'll understand this book talks about a place called hell. Not popular. See, someone already is probably going, you know, you're going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, that's why I don't come to church. The preacher gets up and he's either talking about money or talking about hell. Talking about money or talking about hell. I want to talk about hell this morning because it's real. And here's the deal. That broad road where, where Jesus said, um, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction and that many go through it. See, we don't get it in America. But the default road and the default destination is not heaven. It's hell. We were born sinners and we are sinners by choice and by default we are on the wrong road. You have, you, the reason the road's so crowded, Jesus said, is because it's the default. You are born on the wrong road. And the road will lead to an alternate destiny separated from God in a place called hell. That's why it's so crowded in American and Western culture, you know. So, are you a Christian? Well, yeah. Just this week, I turned around in a church parking lot. Are you a Christian? Well, yeah, I didn't beat my wife this week. You know, we're, we had this totally concept. One, we're all Christians, and B, we're all going to heaven. It's probably no accident. Like 80% of people in America believe in heaven, and about 30% believe in hell. No accident there. Everybody wants to go to heaven. But Jesus said that we're on this path, this road. Unless something happens, unless there's intervention, unless there's a rescue, unless there's a redemption, we are going to be separated from God in a place called hell. Just the truth. Here's, here's how Jesus said it. It's a great scripture in Matthew 25. I really won't take the time to explain the context, but you'll get it. Here's what Jesus said. He will say to those on his left, always the left hand. I'm a lefty. Always the left. Depart from me. You who are cursed unto the eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. Now, that's a hard verse. Let me read it to you again. Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you who are cursed unto the eternal fire, to prepare for the devil and his angels. Now, let me break that down for you. First off, eternal death is separation from God. It's no accident that Jesus said, Depart from me. You know, someone once said, you know, people are simply saying, I don't want anything to do with God. God's simply going to answer their prayer and they'll be eternally separated from him in a place called hell. Unless intervention happens, unless a rescue happens, unless a redemption happens. So there's that separation. Depart from me, you who are cursed. We are born under the curse of sin. We are born under the curse of sin. Unless something happens and we die unforgiven, though, then we will be separated from God for all Eternity. And, and I'm sorry, I, I don't know how to make it softer. And you guys may never come back because you've never heard this before, remember. But you are cursed into eternal fire. You know, don't get this. I don't, wanna, don't get this thought of, I'm going to go, hell's going to be one big party and I'm going to party for all eternity. I'm going down there and drink as much bud as I can. Really? That's a nice story. But I would be a liar. If I didn't tell you, that is so untrue. Hell is a place of punishment. Hell is a place of darkness. Hell is a place of separation. No, no bud, no buds, and no party. But the crazy part, did you see it? Until the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. There's a, there's a glimpse of the redemption. There's a picture of the rescue. God didn't prepare hell for me and you. He loved us and had this plan. He prepared hell for that who deserves it most. And that would be the devil and Satan and the false prophet and his demons. No, he had a plan. And we'll talk about that plan but he says that the narrow road is difficult, it's hard. Now again, your friendly television preacher will tell you, just trust God, you'll never get sick, you'll never lose your job, you'll drive Cadillacs, God wants you to have a Cadillac. Again, nice preaching, way to draw a crowd, but not true. Jesus didn't draw crowds by making false promises. He drew crowds by telling you the truth. 
And the truth is, trusting Jesus doesn't mean an easy life. It does mean forgiveness. It does mean eternity with Him. But the life here may be difficult. Here's how he describes eternal life. This is John 17, 3. And this is, etern- this is eternal life. That, you may, that may, they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Yes, the road is narrow, it is difficult, and few find it. But it leads to life. It, it, leads, to, it leads to knowing God intimately. I mean, the creator God of the universe. It leads to knowing God personally. That's pretty awesome. Because I'm telling you, who you know is an important thing. Would you agree with that? You know the right people in life, and life gets a little bit easier. You know the God of the universe who will never leave you, never forsake you, who will love you unconditionally. We're going to talk about that tonight. Who promises that you can spend eternity in a place called heaven by following the path that he's laid down. That's life. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life. In John 10, 10, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Abundantly. So there's two roads and two destinations. And here's the crazy part. Are you ready? You choose. You choose. It's it's mind-boggling to me that because God is God and because He believes in free will, God has said, you get to choose. You can stay on the easy road here. It might truly be easier. It might be more popular. You may have more things here. You may have more money here. You might. But it's going to end in hell. Or you can choose the narrow road. It's difficult. It's hard. It's not quite as populous. But it ends in life. You get to choose. You know, you hear that question every once in a while. Have you heard this before? How could a loving God send people to hell? And the truth is, he doesn't. He doesn't. Now, little David, I don't know where he is or if he's even here today. Little David said something. He he did the last presentation using this outline that night, Friday night of Judgment House. And he said something I had not said. And I said, that's good. He said, now, God would be totally justified in sending every person to hell. If God chose and said, you're all going to hell, we're sinners. We would deserve it. The wages of sin is death. But in his loving mercy, he made a way that we would not have to be separated from him. We could have eternal life. It really is our Choice. And that's what today is about. That fact, can I be honest with you? That's what every week is about. We spend a lot of our time discipling from the pulpit. But every week I try to tie in that old rugged cross. Because that is your hope. Not Dorisville Baptist Church, not your religion, not how many times you go to church, not how much money you give, no matter how good you think you are. That's your hope. It's the only hope. The cross. So it comes down, God says, you get to make a choice. Here's, uh, and again, I don't have time to go back and give you the story, but a guy named Joshua was a military leader of the nation of Israel way back, right after Moses. That's how far back it is. And here's what he said to the people one day. This is Joshua 24, 14 through 15. Therefore, fear the Lord, um, respect the Lord, and worship Him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods your fathers worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and worship Yahweh or worship the Lord. Now, listen now. But if it doesn't please you to worship Yahweh or the Lord, choose for yourselves today the one you will worship, the gods your fathers worshiped beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Joshua makes it so clear. Hey, nation of Israel, you've got a choice. You can serve the gods where you are, or you can choose to serve the Lord God. I'm just telling you, for me, we're going to serve the Lord. Jesus, fast forward 15, 1600 years, and here's how Jesus put it in Matthew chapter 6. Same sermon, different part. No one can serve two masters. 
Either he will, you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in mammon. You can't serve God in the world. you got to choose. But look at me. You get to choose. You get to choose. So how do you change roads? How do you change roads? How does it happen? You know, if, if you decide, if, if this is somehow making sense, and I'm talking about the people in church every week, and I'm talking about the person who may be here for the first time. You know, okay, the way this makes sense. Okay, I get the two-road thing. I get the two-destination thing. I even get the choice thing. I think that's pretty cool that God gave us a choice. But how do I choose? Well, there are two ways. One's the giant scale. Now, I want you to hear very carefully what I'm fixing to say. All the religions in the world, with the exception of Christianity. So you've got Christianity and you've got all, say all. All All the other religions in the world, no matter if it's in India, Africa, Haiti, America, it doesn't matter, all. Every religion besides Christianity, besides Jesus, uses this. Somehow, some way, they introduce the giant scale. It goes something like this. If I can get enough goodness on the scale, it will move me this way. If I can get enough good, the scale will tilt in my favor and God will let me go to heaven. Every, say every, every religion... Hinduism, Mohammed, it doesn't matter. You name it, no matter what continent you're on, every other religion religion says, I can tilt the scale if I keep the rules. Every other religion. So they would all tell you, every other religion would tell you, keep the rules, uh, bow five times a day, do this, do that. And then if the gods smile upon you, you may... Get to go to heaven. This is really difficult because no one knows how good is enough. What we do know is perfection, and guess what? We're not. Okay? So matter if you're sitting there going, well, I've been in this church a long time, preacher. I don't even sin anymore. Oh, really? Ask your wife. Ask your wife. Ask your friends. They'll give you a clear picture. No. See, there is no giant scale. Um, you know, when we talk this in Judgment House, and we do this too, you know, you may say religion. Just put religion over here. You think you're going to tell it in your schedule? It, it won't go. You know, in, in, in the Judgment House story, there was a guy who said, yeah, I sinned, but I, I'm a victim. See, I don't deserve hell because I'm a victim. Well, you can try to play that card too, but I'm just telling you there's nothing, nothing, nothing that's going to tilt the scale in your favor. There is, one, there is no giant scale, and two, if there was, you could never tilt it in your favor. And listen, I want to speak to some believers today. You've got to get over this. You will gladly say, I am saved by grace, and turn around and try to keep God's favor by doing your silly works. Amen. By coming to church, by writing your checks, by doing this. I'm going to earn God's favor. You don't have to earn God's favor. you got it through Christ. You couldn't earn it to be saved, and you don't need to earn it to stay saved. It's God. Yeah, clap. That's a good thing. I'm telling you, this is a bad deal. This is a bad deal. It doesn't work, and it will put you in bondage. That's why people don't like church. They go, preacher after preacher, some say, you've got to keep the rules. You've got to keep the rules. You've got to keep the rules. And, and, and the person goes, you're not even keeping the rules. How am I supposed to keep the rules? It's crazy. So that one doesn't work. This is the do religion. There's a done religion. There's a done religion. And it's God's GPS, God's plan for salvation. And it's the wondrous cross. It's the wondrous cross. Let me break it down for you. I told you that this whole deal is about the fact that God had a plan of redemption. If anything was going to happen, that I could be rescued. You could be rescued. If there's anything that could be done that I could be redeemed, that I could be forgiven, it couldn't come from this side of the fence because I got nothing. 
You ever played cards before? Did I say cards in church? And person looking at you, you ain't got nothing. Not a good bluffer. Here's how it planned out. We've said this now for four or five weeks. Before this, you know, John, speaking, speaking of Jesus, said, you know, he said, look, the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. In other words, before there was a man, before there was an Adam, before there was an Eve, before there was a bad choice, before there was brokenness, before there was sin, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one, had a meeting. And they said, listen, what are we going to do? I know what we're going to do. <laughs> they didn't say, what are you going to do? They said, we're going to redeem mankind. And the only way redemption can take place is innocent blood. And the only innocent blood would be if God became flesh. So guess what happens? Yep. Christmas. Christmas. A little baby was born of a virgin. Very important. I don't have time to talk about it, but it's very important. And this child was born sinless and by choice remained sinless. And this man, this child grew into a man, lived 30 years of perfect perfection, three years of public ministry, healing people, demonstrating who he was, preaching truth like what we're reading this morning. And then at the right time, not because things got out of control, not because, oops, God was on vacation, God didn't show up, but at just the right time, Jesus allowed himself to be nailed to a rugged cross. And innocent blood... I love the word, and you don't like it. He was slaughtered on the cross. Slaughtered on the cross. Blood, not drops. Thank you for some of the movies where it shows little Jesus with a little a drop here, a drop there. He was slaughtered, and blood poured from his body. Because the Bible said, without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission, no taking away of sin. And about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the lights go out. Jesus cries out, it is finished, and yields his spirit up. He dies. Went from that tree to that tree. They put him in a grave. He'd already said, here's what's going to happen, boys. Y'all need to know this. I'm going to be arrested, and they're going to beat me, and they're going to hang me on a tree. I'm going to die. But, on the third day. But, On the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead. I'm going to prove who I am. And the historical fact is he did. The tomb was empty Easter morning, and the tomb is empty today because he ain't dead. He ain't dead. Now, and again, I'm not being cocky, but you go find, you name the religious leader that promotes this. Mohammed, you, you name the religious leader who promotes this. And guess what? They're still dead. You look for the man who did that, he's not. That's what sets it apart. That's, that's why the disciples couldn't keep quiet. They saw him die and they saw him alive again. And they couldn't shut up. They couldn't believe it. And if we would ever get that in our heads, believers that he was dead and he really is alive, we couldn't be quiet either. That's incredible. It's incredible. So we have this, this wondrous cross, this God's plan for salvation that involves, doesn't involve us, it involves him and what he did. And it basically boils down, it's so simple, it boils down to this, you know, agree. Agree. Agree with God what God says about us. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is not one good, no, not one. Agree with God. Agree with what God said about this. That was man, it was God on the cross, bleeding and dying innocent blood, enduring the wrath of God, and saying it is finished. Talking about our salvation. It's a done religion. He did it all. Believe. Trust. Believe that Jesus was exactly what he said. And he can do what he said he can do. He can forgive your sins. He can erase your past and give you a new future. And follow. Follow. 
Now, I want y'all, remember now, y'all have never heard this before. But really pretend like you've never heard it before. See, I want you to meet a guy named Matthew. I love it. This, this has come alive for me in 2015. I just simply love it. Now, let me read the scripture to you, and I will try to break it down so you just understand what happens. This is Matthew 9, 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. Pause. Now, I know, because I know us, I know us, I know that we have a real tendency to think how good we are. I mean, you know, I, I honestly think if we could look into our hearts, we would see ourselves standing before a spiritual mirror and saying, God, you are so blessed I'm on your team. Okay? We're, we're prideful. Okay? Now, and even this, once you've been saved a while, you forget what you were before you met Jesus. You know, it's just like everybody goes to heaven, there's nobody really bad. I wish we'd remember what we were before he saved us. On our, you know, if you were a really good moral person, you know, you were just as lost as the most depraved person. You're both totally depraved. If you spent your whole life in church like I did, you know, I, I sang, I did all that mess. And I was just as lost as the guy who never stepped foot in church. And at 21, I got saved. And he had walked in church for the first time in his life got saved. We were equally lost and equally saved. Equally lost, equally saved. So Matthew, being a tax collector, is the worst guy in town. Don't think the guy down in our courthouse, the assessor and the tax collector. Think a betrayer. Think a liar. Think a stealer. This guy worked for the Roman government, and the Roman government basically said this. This is the tax. Anything you can collect above that, you keep. So he'd lie, he'd steal, and a little widow lady would come, and he'd say, the tax was really $5, and he'd say, the tax is $30. I don't have $30. Debtor's prison. No mercy. No grace. Liar. Betrayer. And thief. And that's Matthew. This is going to make you feel good, because there's someone here today saying, Dwayne, if you knew my story, you don't know. I've been an abuser. I've been an addict. You don't know my story. His grace isn't big enough for me. Oh, yes, it is. Because he can, what he's fixing to do with Matthew, who's the liar, betrayer, and thief, he can do for you. So here's how it plays out. You're going to love it. He met a man named Matthew sitting in the tax office. He walked up to him. And here's what he said. Follow me. The invitation was to follow Jesus. He didn't say, now listen. If you'll get your life right, we do this at church sometimes. If you get a little bit better, we'll let you come to our church. You got to get a little bit better, though. Now, if you'll dress a certain way, you can come to our church. We wouldn't do that, would we? No. And I'm sure Peter, by the make you feel better, I'm sure Peter, you know, Apostle Peter, is like this. He leans over and says to John, the group just went south. He looks at Matthew and says, follow me. Just get up and follow me. Yes, Matthew. I don't have to get better yet. No, no, no. No, I don't have to get better. Just follow me. Do I? No, Matthew, just follow me. And amazingly, look what the Bible says. And he said to him, follow me. So he got up and followed Jesus. Whoa. Let me put this back here because I want you to see this. Here's, Charlie, here's the tax table. I mean, this, this is lucrative. This is money. This is power. Jesus walks up. And here's, let, let me put it in terms we can better understand. Hey, Matthew, I want you to leave that and I want you to come with me. And so Matthew gets up from that and follows Jesus. And that's his invitation. I don't want to soft sell this. Okay? I don't want to soft sell this. Here's what Jesus' invitation to you is today. If you are willing to leave that, whatever that is, your will, I want my way, my money, my power, my authority, my, my, my. If you're willing to leave that my behind and turn 
and follow him. That's all he wants. We call it repent. That's the Bible term. If you turn, if you're willing to turn from that and follow Jesus, then I'll forgive you and you can have a relationship with me. And that's what he's saying today to us. He's asking us to leave behind whatever that is and follow him. That's it. And Matthew did that. And you know the invitation, the crazy invitation, the wonders invitation is for you to do the same thing, for me to do the same thing. Forgive me for talking about me. But my story is pretty incredible. Because I really was, I wasn't a tax collector, but I was a liar. I'd get up there and sing those little gospel songs. Just a country boy, I never had no money. I never knew the word luxury. And I get her and say, I just can't wait for Jesus to come back. And everybody cry and weep. And they come pat me on the back and say, oh, it's why. I was lost. I knew it. But it was a good gig. The girls loved it. Oh, you get a man crying on stage about Jesus. And they just, them Southern Gospel girls, they just flock to you. They just flock to you. One day Jesus knocked, October 26, 1975. He knocked on my heart. He said, Dwayne, if you will leave that religious garbage behind and follow me, I'll forgive you. And look me in the eye. He did. He did. Perfect no. Forgiven yes. And here's the deal. That's the invitation for every person here today and those still listening on the radio. Are you certain that you're not depending on this? This can look like a church steeple. This can look like a church steeple. This can look like good works. This can look like buying favors with money. Are you sure you don't have that? Are you sure you've got that? And that's the invitation today. The last slide says this. What will you do? The choice is yours. I need to be honest with you. When you get before God one day, and we will stand before God. When we get before God, I'm telling you, you can play the victim card. God, but you understand, I went to church. I did, God. I did. God, I I didn't understand it. Well, you can't say that anymore. Because whatever you think of today's message, it was simple. (laughs) It was simple. No one here or on the radio can say, I didn't know. But you do have a choice today. And today you can know. I want you as your pastor and as a pastor, I want you to begin 2016 with the absolute knowledge that I know Jesus Christ as Savior. Not based on that. Not based on performance. But based on an old bloody Roman cross. And the man that died on that cross. I prayed this morning. And you might say, well, that's good. I prayed this morning. And I prayed the Holy Spirit would just fill this place. And I prayed the Holy Spirit would speak to my heart and to your heart. And that if there's any unfinished business with you and God about your salvation that today would be the day you'd be saved. Well, Dwayne, gosh, are you trying to say something? No. I love you. And I'm preaching to about 340 people today. And in this group, there are probably some lost folks. Numbers will tell you that. I just love you. And I want you to make sure that you know Jesus. I want you to have this first Sunday nailed down because God has an incredible year planned for us and God has an incredible eternity plan for us. And I don't want you or me to miss it. What will you do? The song goes, what will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. One day your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? What will he do with me?
Would you bow your heads, please? Thank you for your patience today. Now, here's the deal. I know that it's sometimes difficult to walk in front of people. I understand that. I get that. Um, I want you to know that I'll be around this week. I'll be in the office. I would love to share with you some more, whether we've never met before or whether we're friends. If you've got some questions, I'd be glad to share with you what limited knowledge of the Bible I have and as a friend or as a new friend to share with you. I'll be standing back in the back. This is the most important thing you're going to hear in 2016. Look at, well, no, don't look at me. Look at your head bowed. Listen to me. I almost missed it. I almost missed it. Someone asked me, well, Dwayne, how, how did, you got all this works and stuff. You're, you're so good, you said. How can you miss it? It was a, it was a game. It was an act. I was pretty on the outside and rotten on the inside. I was in it for me and not for him. That's how. Just like Czar Brooklyn and Zwei Brooklyn sound a lot alike, so can religion and salvation. It can sound alike, but it's not the same thing. Okay? So we'll have our time of decision. I'll be waiting down front here. And A... If I can help you this morning, we have some counselors available to share with you, uh, pray with you, talk to you, try to answer questions. I'll be back at the back. I say I'll be at, at, in the office this week. Whatever we can do to help you, we want to do that. Okay, God, I love you today. And I count this a privilege to share this truth. And Holy Spirit, only you, only you can make it like the first time. Only you can make it where it makes sense. It's not in a man's voice or his intellect. Holy Spirit, it's you. It's you. So would you draw men and women and children to yourself today? Father, I pray against the influencing lies of Satan. How he can convince us of things that are not true. Father, this is too important of an issue. I pray, Father, that you would speak to hearts. And we love you today. Oh, how we love you and thank you for your amazing grace. And Jesus, we pray this in your precious name. Amen.